Welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. We started a new sermon series last week. It was called A Month on Mission. That word on is very, very important, not a month of missions, although we are going to be connecting with our missionaries, and we had uh, Clinton and Patiana Moore and their daughters here last week, and and, um, they gave a very uh, engaging message and invited us to be a part of what they were doing. And so we're going to connect with our missionaries kind of over this month, but the focus isn't missions. The focus is you and I living a life intentionally on mission every moment where we are, considering where is God taking me and how can I be uh, a part of what God is doing? How can I make an impact? How can I make a difference? And one of the things that we're going to focus on today is the fact that there is one capital M mission that we're all supposed to be about, and then there are kind of small, unique mission expressions about how those things are getting done. And that's going to help us have a little bit of freedom in pursuing the design that God has for each one of us and collectively as a local church family, but it's also going to give us some grace for those who are doing it maybe a little bit differently and focusing on maybe a number of different activities there. And in that, we can all kind of move collectively in one accord towards making an impact in this world for the kingdom of God. And one of the things that you find in Scripture, particularly the New Testament, uh, and most often in Paul's writings, is a, a metaphor that is used to describe what followers of Jesus are supposed to be and how they're supposed to interact. And if you're familiar with it, you might already be leaning into that answer, but he uses the picture of a body. Uh, particularly when he talks about diversity in the church, diversity of giftings, di- diversity of uh, kind of age and ethnicity. When, when Paul talks about the differences in the collective, he uses this metaphor as a body. And he would say that we are all different parts, but we are part of one body, that there's ears and there's eyes and they're different and they do unique things, but they're all needed for the thing to be whole. And, and I get that in the general sense. And many of us, it we're kind of, it's easy for us to grasp that as far as kind of parts of the body and put together. But I didn't do a lot of anatomy and that type of science stuff when I was growing up. I was more uh, outside playing sports. And so uh, a sports analogy actually works better for me when it comes to the idea of having particular expressions all being important for one common end goal. And uh, for me, it reminds me of when I was playing football. Uh, When we played football, I had a coach that worked really, really hard at not differentiating between kind of those who were seen as like the, the, the top athletes and maybe those who were in supporting roles. And if you played sports as a, as a kid, then you would know that maybe the pitcher got a little bit more attention than the rest of the infield or outfield players. You would know that the quarterback oftentimes was the one that was seen as kind of the leader or often the captain of a team when it came to football. And the rest were just kind of like his sidekicks in, in general. Same thing with maybe the point card in basketball or, or something along those lines. And I had a coach that worked really hard about kind of getting away from that kind of tiered hierarchy of value and bringing a collective as we are all one unit trying to do one thing together. And in doing so, he would highlight the importance of every role and each responsibility. 
And he used to have this saying where he would say that in order for us to win, we needed to be strong or excellent in all three phases of the game. That would be the language that he would be using. And to differentiate that, those three phases were offense. So when we had the ball and we were trying to score, we needed to be excellent at that. But we also needed to be excellent at defense. Uh, And in fact, some people would say defense wins championships. Uh, It's usually people that are poor at offense that say that, but that's neither here nor there. But we needed to be excellent at defense. And then he would say we needed to be excellent at special teams. And that was like kicking and uh, punt return and things along those times, things that were just kind of almost seen as extra or add-ons to part of the game. But he would say that each one of those needed to be important. And he would stress the role and the importance of each person. And one of the things that I remember in particular is when we would have a team dinner on Friday night, every home game, we would go and we were hosted somewhere. We would eat dinner as a team and we'd get ready for the game that night. And the linemen all got to eat first, which I really felt was unfair uh, because they also ate the most is typically how that worked. And I was kind of towards the end of the line. But what he wanted to do was dispel this idea that somehow the kid who got his name in the paper for making a great play somehow got there on his own efforts. We needed to recognize that it was the rest of the team that was creating those types of opportunities. And so as a team, we had a single identity and we had a single mission focus. And what we began to do is to appreciate the role and the responsibility that each other player had without feeling like we needed to somehow compete with them or make up for what they were doing. And it created this healthy uh, ability for us to move forward towards one goal. And one of the things that I have uh, often uh, discovered and one of the things that I've also unfortunately been kind of a part of at times in the body of Christ is missing the one goal and being too focused on my role. Getting so wrapped up in my role or my responsibility, my preference or my expression of what church is and how it's supposed to be, that somehow I miss the capital M mission and I get distracted in things that are a little bit lesser. And there is, there's really one mission of every believer. We're going to talk about that this morning. One great thing that every Christ follower should always be about. And then there's going to be so many varied expressions about how to go about being that that are going to be as varied as the individuals in this room. But there's one great mission, and really it's often called the great commission because Christ is the one who commissioned the church to be about that. But when that gets lost and the focus isn't the great mission of the church, but my personal mission of church stuff, then what happens is we often become a little bit divided. uh, And certainly we end up lessening our ability to have a positive impact on the world around us. Because even if we're going about doing the right things in the right way, if we go about doing it more or less alone, we will have a smaller impact or kingdom footprint, if you want to use that type of a thought. And when we keep the capital M mission, the one thing that we're all supposed to be about, when we keep that in mind, all of a sudden what happens is we begin to allow space for others to uh, approach their role and their responsibility in the kingdom of God. We, We give grace and space for them to express those things uniquely, and then we all kind of move forward together. So in my sports analogy, my senior year, I played outside linebacker. I didn't spend a lot of time wondering why the nose guard wasn't outside 
playing outside linebacker with me. I recognized that he had a specific role and a specific responsibility and that he needed to be about that. And I also, when it came to that, didn't go and try to do his role or his responsibility or feel any type of pressure to sit in that space as well. I had grace and I had a trust and an allowance for that role and that responsibility to be expressed. If you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to go ahead and grab those out, lift them up. If you've got your smartphone or your tablet, go ahead and open up your Bible app. Lord, we ask that you would give us soft hearts today, that we would have soft hearts to be challenged by your word, maybe even corrected. Lord, that you would give us a courageous faith that is willing to say yes when you would prompt us today to take steps this week to live a life on mission, to consider where are you leading us and how can we make a difference in that place? In Jesus' name, amen. If your Bible's out, you can go ahead and open to Galatians chapter two. We're gonna start there, but I'm gonna give you some background on where we're at and kind of the main context or concept that is being talked about in this, uh, in this passage. Uh, one of the things that you find is that we have a tendency to think about kind of division and quarreling and maybe some of the we versus them things that have crept into the church over and throughout church history as being somehow maybe unique uh, to, to our day. Um, maybe even thinking that 2021, man, it's so difficult because we all just went through COVID in 2020. So, of, of course, we're dealing with these uh, types of situations. And we have a tendency to, to get distracted on our own personal missions rather than keep the capital M mission of the kingdom of God uh, in our sights. And, and, and that might be a valid type of a thought. But I can tell you that from the very, very beginning, the church has always wrestled with these things. You can read through the book of Acts. You can read Paul's letters. You can even see some of this within uh, the closest disciples to Jesus before the church even effectually started, they wrestled with these types of challenges. And here's a couple questions that were always at the forefront of that wrestling. It's, it's what does it mean to be the church? Like, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And then what does it mean to do church? Like, how do we go about doing that? Now, the disciples, they spent three years with Jesus learning about what it looked like to actually be his kind of into that, but all of church history is really the collective coming together when there's division and disagreement, and they get back to this question of, well, yeah, but who are we and what are we supposed to be doing? And in that, they converge on the main thing. There's a process that brings them back to the main mission. But what does it mean uh, to be the church, and, and how do you do church? Uh, the early church wrestled with who was allowed to go. Right? Who could be part of the church? It started out with the two were, were the Jews, and then it moved to the Samaritans, and it took a, a, a work and a miracle of the Lord to kind of get that movement, and then all of a sudden kind of it went to the Gentiles, but people were constantly wrestling, like who can be saved? Who are we supposed to even talk to? How are we supposed to deliver this message? They wrestled uh, with how can church be done, and a lot of Paul's direction and correction in his early letters are to the church saying, hey, uh, you're kind of doing it this way, but that's not the healthiest way. Here's something that you need to think about. Whenever you get together, here's the minimal of what should be done, and here's some things that are also allowable uh, but aren't necessarily required. They're constantly wrestling with these through things. They're wrestling through what's necessary and what's preferential, what is really at the core of what is needed and what is just kind of what I like. Uh, they end up wrestling with the question of who can be saved, who can be a leader, what does it mean to be saved, 
How do we order our gatherings? What's essential? What's preference? Who's the strong? Who's the weak? Like, how are we supposed to do these things? And at each time when you look at this conflict that is introduced into the church, they always resolve it the same way. Super helpful, super important for you and I. It's always resolved the same way. They always have division and conflict and difficulties filtered back down through what is the mission of the church? What is the one thing? And so we want to talk about that briefly before we move on this morning. What is the mission of the church? And so for just a moment, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to list a few things, and I'm going to ask you to just consider, do you think this is the mission of the church? Uh, if you want to, you can close your eyes to kind of get out distractions or to you know, catch a, a quick nap as I'm going through this. Uh, I'll wake you back up. But I want, you, I want you to think about these things. You don't need to raise your hand. You don't need to confirm or affirm out loud. I just want you to think about these statements. Do you think that winning the lost is a mission of the church? Would you say that empowering believers to live a life of freedom in the spirit, would, would that be a mission of the church? Would you think that planting other churches would be a mission of the church or evangelizing Would you say that meeting practical needs is a mission of the church? Would you say that defending the weak or speaking up for the powerless or standing for godly convictions, that that would be a mission of the church? Would you say that confronting evil or defending sound doctrine or teaching things that are theologically true, would would, would that be the mission of the church? Now, as I say each one of those, you might be able to even hinge a Bible verse or a biblical story on each one of those and say, well, yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, well, that's it. Can I tell you that all of those things and so much more are encompassed into the actual capital M mission of the church? And you don't have to uh, worry or wonder about what it is. Jesus makes it really, really clear. In Matthew chapter 28, as he is commissioning his disciples, the number one, capital M, mission of the church at work in the world is this, go and make disciples. And in fact, everything that I just said prior to that is a part of that process. You can't make a disciple before you make a convert, but Jesus didn't just say, go and make converts. Don't just get somebody saved, pat them on the head and say, see you later, I'm going to go do something else. It's actually easier to get somebody to make a conversion statement than it is to disciple them to wholeness and health. Discipleship requires this whole kind of continual process that goes with it. And in discipleship, you're going to see expressed winning the lost. You're going to see expressed church planning and evangelism. You're going to see expressed standing up for the weak and for the powerless. You're going to see expressed putting down your own preferences in order to live, uh, lift somebody else up. You're going to see standing for godly convictions. You're going to see uh, uh, defending sound doctrine. All of those things are a part of discipleship. But when we focus on just a single expression of that, that's when the church kind of gets muddy and messed up and where we end up finding ourselves at odds with one another. In fact, the body of Christ, did you know there's only one? I I, I know that we think that way, I I guess intuitively, but Jesus is the head of one body, and it's made up of many parts. Most of us consider the body of Jesus to be whatever our local church is, right? But if that's true, then my friend who pastors down the street, then he's got like a whole different body, 
That doesn't make sense. That doesn't even line up with the metaphor that Paul uses. You know what he has? He has a different part of the body. And we may be eyes and he may be ears and we may do things a little bit different, but we're all needed to be part of the one body whole expressed in the world. Do you see how that's helpful? So I may be an outside linebacker, but my pastor friend down the street might be a nose guard. And so it would be really helpful for me in the pursuit of the mission of the kingdom of God to celebrate him as a nose guard than to ask him or challenge him why he's not an outside linebacker. See how that shifts something? Can I tell you that if you go to work tomorrow and instead of getting in a theological argument with a friend who maybe goes to a different church here, you guys just got together and agreed on the one thing, making an impact for the kingdom of God in that place, that you would have more impact on that place in this next week than you've had in the last year going around the circle of a peripheral issue that maybe doesn't need to even be resolved for you to make an impact where you are. Like the capital M mission is what kind of drives the church. And making disciples means that you are moving somebody to be wholly mature in Christ. Let's look at a different place where I think that this is illustrated. In Ephesians chapter 4, as Paul's writing to the church back in Ephesus, he's talking often, as he frequently does in his letters, about unity about coming together under the one name of Jesus, the one banner, the one head, and all getting about being involved in kingdom business. And in chapter 4 of Ephesians, it's actually in my Bible titled Unity in the Body of Christ. It's literally the focus where he's trying to bring everybody together under this one idea. Starting in verse 11, he starts talking about the way that Jesus has uh, gifted the body, gifted the church, gifted those who are part of it, to affect the whole towards unity and maturity. And he says this, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Until we all reach, look at this, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become, look at this, mature. If you are a note taker, if you're an underliner, the unity and the mature you need to have on your radar right now and you need to keep it there for this whole month. Because the goal of living a month on mission is gonna require you to work towards the one capital M mission and to grow towards a more uh, mature understanding of who you are in Christ and how you operate within the kingdom of God. The the The... The end goal here, right, if you take this Ephesians passage and you take what Jesus said in Matthew 28, if the goal is to make disciples, that's the end goal, then what Paul, if you overlay this, the end goal of making disciples, a disciple that is complete is one that has learned how to function in unity within the body and who has become wholly mature in Christ. That, that's the one thing. And when we agree on that end, when we agree on that one thing, then all of a sudden we can move towards accomplishing that in a variety of different ways. We can move towards accomplishing that in our individual roles and responsibilities. And instead of not understanding or, or, or not having enough grace for somebody who has a different focus on part of the process, and squabbling with, well, why aren't you more like me? We can say, hey, it's a good thing that you're looking at it from that direction and attending to that part of the process because I'm really focused over here. 
And that really, that's the, the way that the body of Christ is supposed to work. If any one person tries to take a person from start to finish discipleship-wise and finish that process on their own, you're going to be limited in your power and scope and ability to do that. If any one church goes about trying to do the whole of the process from start to finish, there's going to be a limit on the impact. But if the collective body in the world is at work in that way, then all of a sudden it's exponentially reached. That it's something where the one goal, the end goal, allows us to celebrate our own role. The end goal allows us to celebrate our own role, and it allows for varying expressions to uh, accompany one another and to accomplish the mission without competing with one another. So let me give you some practical examples of how this works in our community, because we've got a, a, a group of pastors that really work together towards this end. If you've been a part of our church family, then you already know this because I speak frequently about it. But every Wednesday, it's now at 1030. It used to be in the afternoon. But every Wednesday, I meet with six other pastors from our community. And we're not an ecumenical council and we're not kind of an alliance of different churches. We're not a formal anything. We're just a bunch of guys who love Jesus, love the church, and love to get together and we support one another. And over the last, I don't know, it's been like six or seven years, maybe even longer than that, that has been our typical interaction with one another. And we speak well of each other. We promote one another's churches. We speak well of each other from the pulpit. You can go back and listen to my friend's messages. And they've said nice things about you guys, which tells me they don't know all of you, but they know some of you. That there, there is this capital M mission. If, if you look at us, our churches, if I gave you the names, if I gave you the pastors, and you sat down and plotted doctrinally and theologically where we are in specific spectrums, we're all over the place. But we all agree on the one thing, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ that brings newness of life and salvation. It's the one thing. It's the capital M, and we can all move towards that effort. And so because of that, we're constantly moving and championing one another towards that end, and we are not in competition with one another. We're not in competition with one another. We're, we're literally friends. And you might think, you know, because of how spiritually pious your pastor is, that we just sit around, talk a lot uh, about Jesus, and give each other some Bible verses. But these are, these are my friends to such a degree that Pastor Mark was riding his motorcycle the other day when it was 100 degrees out, and I just texted him a meme of Lloyd Christmas and Harry Dunn from Dumb and Dumber riding on their scooter through the mountains together. And I just said, bro, it's too hot to ride your motorcycle today. So, you know, where that falls on your kind of slide line of spirituality, you can place that wherever you want, but it just does uh, does illustrate a degree of just camaraderie and friendship that we have. But it it means that we get to work together and champion one another towards the capital M mission. We don't don't even compete. So, in fact, there are, are ministry decisions that we've made here as a church in order to not compete with others. In fact, when Pastor Mark uh, over at First Baptist, when he started Celebrate Recovery, he said, hey, we've got this idea. I've got some people in my church who really want to move towards a Christ-centered answer to addiction. What do you guys think? We all said, you should do that. This, this community has needed it for years. We've even talked about that program, but none of us felt like it was ours to do. Go and do it. And so we champion that, we promote it, we send people that direction, and they are, they are impacting our community in such a positive way. 
the way that we go about doing our children's ministry and pursuing, even, even like VBS. Did you know that our VBS doesn't coincide with some of our friends' VBSs that we call each other uh, at the beginning of the summer and say, when are you planning on doing it? And we spread it out so that we're not in competition with one another. And one of my friend's churches picked the same week this week, and we're actually doing it simultaneously, but they do the morning and we do the evening. Why? Same reason. Because we're all about making the greatest impact for the kingdom of God, and we're going to stick to our lanes, our our responsibilities, and we're all going to do our part well, and in the end, the team's going to win. In the end, we're going to make a difference and make an impact. One of the really cool things that has happened lately, and, and this ties into our missionary friends, for uh, since 2012, uh, Sterling Foursquare has had a mission's primary focus in the nation of Thailand. And we've moved from partnering with Paul and Lori Vernon and their family to sending Aaron right from our family, our own homegrown missionary that now lives full-time there. Uh, he got married uh, to an Aka lady, and, and they're just killing it in ministry right now. Clinton and Patiana Moore were with us last week because they've uh, joined part of our network and our efforts out there as well. So we, we've got this whole focus over there, and it's been a primary move of ours. Did you know that there's two other churches in too. You wouldn't necessarily know that or even think that that was possible, but the United Church in Crook, as they were looking for a missionary in Asia because they wanted to make an impact over there, one of the board members of that church said, hey, doesn't Foursquare have a guy over there? Why don't we just partner with them? You guys are friends, and isn't that what we do? And so they've taken Aaron on as one of their missionaries. The Foursquare Church in Akron has taken on uh, Aaron as one of their missions efforts because they've had some moves of, of focus there as far as missions, and we're all partnering towards that. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love that my friend Dale and his church didn't think, well, they've got somebody in Thailand. We better get somebody there quick. Otherwise, Sterling's going to have everybody in Thailand, right? No, like that's, that's silly thinking, isn't it? But when we make unhealthy comparisons and when we compete with one another, that's where we go. And as much as churches can, can fall into that trap, followers of Jesus can as well. If we would spend our time finding other believers in our workplace, in, in our places of hobby, in, in, in just the, the general community, if you spent more time finding who your allies were in Christ and finding a way to work with them to make an d- impact in the community, we've had, we would have a far bigger footprint. And whether you're here in Sterling or whether you're joining us from all over the United States or even on other parts of the world, the, the same principles are true if we could keep the capital M mission in mind and allow space for others to do their part, fill their role, their responsibility, we'll make a bigger impact and have a bigger difference as a result. And one of the things that the capital M mission keeps in mind is it keeps us from competition. And there were times in the early church where Peter and Paul were kind of at odds. There were times in the early church when Paul and Barnabas were kind of at odds. There were times in the early church where you saw these strong apostolic leaders who were at odds with one another. And every one of those disagreements, every one of those divisions, every one of those conflicts ended up being resolved by getting back to the main thing. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus Christ, the resurrection and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by him. When you get back to the main thing, we can all move forward towards the end goal. And Paul addresses 
in Galatians chapter 6, we're going to be there in just a moment, he addresses this issue of competition and comparison within the body of Christ. So earlier as we began this morning, we looked in Galatians chapter 2, and Paul's talking about this idea that uh, he has been um, set apart to pursue the Gentiles, and Paul, or excuse me, and Peter has been set apart to pursue uh, the Jews, that they've kind of recognized and resolved this conflict. And in Galatians chapter 6, he starts addressing what to do and how to avoid comparisons that are unhealthy. So if you've got your Bible, just go to uh, Galatians chapter 6. We're going to look at verse 2 through 5 very briefly and unpack some practical things for us. He says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else for each one should compare, or excuse me, for each one should carry their own load. Okay, so there's three things that he's saying here and I wanna unpack them on on the either side of the comparison um, because it's important to recognize that he starts off with saying, carry each other's burdens, right? So it sounds like, hey, you need to help somebody carry their pack. And then he ends with carry your own load. He didn't change his mind there. He didn't just say, he's, he's not saying, no, wait, never mind, just do it yourself. The words are really important. Uh, that word there for burden has to do, it's a Greek word that indicates something that would be too heavy for a single person to lift alone or to lift for any length of time. It's a very specific word. It would be something, if you were thinking about kind of rocks in that, there's a difference between like a pebble and a rock and a boulder. This word would be more like a boulder. It would be something that would be uh, uh, really, you would be unable to carry or shoulder for any length of time, even if you could lift it on your own. And then he concludes kind of this idea with saying that each one should carry their own load. That word, the own load, that word load, that's, it's a smaller word. It really means kind of like your backpack, uh, if you think about a day pack when you go hiking, you've got like maybe uh, some water and some snacks in there, or maybe you're carrying all of your kids' water and snacks. That's how it works, usually with the hack bar. So I'm like, this is your own pack. The Bible says, carry your own load. And they're like, Dad, you're supposed to provide for the family. And then, you know, we got to get into, you know, some doctrinal conversations there. That doesn't actually happen. They just say, here, Dad, that's the shortcut to it. But the own load, it's really, it's like a day pack. It's like, your, it's, it's like a picnic pack. And so what Paul is doing is he's talking about kind of this, this difference in dealing with roles, responsibilities, and, and things that really fall under uh, your in, initiation. And then he sandwiches those, these two ideas with this idea of where comparison ruins this. So he says this, with boulders, with things that are too big for you, we need to all do together. Okay, you need to shoulder the boulder. We, we, we've got to get together and we've got to do this together. The unity in the body of Christ should be so that when we see an issue that is too big for any one individual or too big for any one church that we collectively say, we're going to move that in Jesus' name because we're all going to come and put our efforts to that. And then at the same time, the things that are yours to carry, the things that are your role, your responsibility, the way that God has created you and gifted you uniquely for this moment in time and for the place where you're at, that you would assume the responsibility for that and you would carry it yourself. So that on Monday when you go to work and you look around and think, this is a godless place, we need some Jesus in this place, and Jesus says, yo, I'm with you, let's do something here, that you say, yes, I'm going to be a part of affecting change here. That, I, that, I, that, that I'm going to be 
the Jesus in this place because his spirit is at work in me and he's prompting me to move. That's your role and responsibility. And then there are things that are too big for you that aren't meant for you, but you call a collective together and you move together. And what happens is we don't differentiate between those and we don't tackle them correctly when the middle piece happens, when we make unhealthy comparisons to one another. So if I look at the church down the street and say, why aren't they more like me? I'll spend less time attending to my own role and responsibility and I'll build no relationship with them to shoulder the boulders in our community. I'll be judgmental and complaining and wishing that somehow everybody was like me. There's a reason why the people around you aren't like you. As much as you are made and created in the image of God, you're also not that great, right? Can you imagine, like, just think about it. Like, can you imagine if, if we had 100 people in here and there was 100 Bens in this place? Yeah, nobody in here is excited. I heard the whistle. And <laughs> just a sidebar, I want you to think about this for the moment. Sometimes we think that if we were around more people like us, we would be happier But isn't it true that oftentimes the people that you have the greatest conflict with are the ones that are just like you? Moms and daughters? Dads and sons? Isn't that? I'm never going to be like, oh, I'm just like them. Oftentimes our greatest conflict even comes out of that too close a similarity. There is a need, there's a need for the uniqueness of each and every individual to be a part of the plan and purposes of God in a local church, in local churches, at work in the world. There's a fun thing that's happening right now in our church as an illustration of this. You know, I would say that when it comes to missions, like our missionaries in Thailand, that's our load, right? That's ours to carry. We support Aaron and Alina. We support Paul and Lori. We support Clinton and Patiana. We do them all differently and uniquely. We support them with uh, resources. We support them with prayer. We support them with teams that go over there. We're a part of all of those things that are going on. Those are, are our load. We've had some friends, churches in the community that have said, no, you know what? We want that to be part of our load too. And, and they're carrying a piece of that, but we're not moving any boulders necessarily together. But one of the fun things is that there's a a pretty big need for Aaron and Alina that a number of us are going to look to shoulder. I've got an update from from them that's uh, kind of a high, a reminder of who they are and what they're doing, and then it gives a little bit of voice to the boulder we're going to move together. Hello, my name is Aaron. I'm Alina. And we are missionaries here in Chiang Rai, Thailand. That's the northernmost part of Thailand. And... Alina currently uh, is working here at our coffee shop. Uh, in addition to that, we serve at the Aka Outreach Foundation, which is an orphanage and a Bible school. And we also travel to the second largest city here in Thailand. And we work with the Shining Light Church there. When we're not doing that, we go up to the village. And uh, part of our village ministry is Alina's family. Part of Alina's family is still Buddhist, and and another part of Alina's family practices the Aka animus religion. We currently travel on our motorcycles. We feel very blessed uh, what God's given us. We go to uh, travel to the market. 
We travel to uh, the churches we serve at. Uh, when we go to the village, we do have to borrow a vehicle um, from someone. On occasion, we do travel on our motorcycles. And we feel like this, this is the right time uh, for us to uh, purchase uh, a vehicle uh, that'll make uh, traveling to larger cities easier. Uh, sometimes we have to travel on buses uh, to make the, the longer trip because it's really not possible on a motorcycle. So we're asking you today you would consider with partnering with us monthly uh, or for a special gift uh, for purchasing uh, a new vehicle. We are really excited for these opportunities uh, that God continues to release for us and we believe that we're just getting started here. There's the majority of Thailand's not Christian and so there's so many opportunities to share the gospel. There's a lot of groundwork to do also. So. Uh, we're excited uh, to continue to uh, serve the uh, Hill Tribe people uh, and to reach out to the Thai people also to bring the gospel to them. And so uh, we would ask you today to uh, prayerfully consider partnering with us for, uh, for, for these resources for us to continue to be able to bring uh, the gospel to Thailand. We uh, thank you for your time. Thank you. So cute. So one of the reasons why I had uh, Aaron give a video, obviously he can't be here because uh, he's over in Thailand. Uh, one is for you to see his face, be reminded of him, and to get a little snippet of what's going on. Uh, but the other thing is to kind of give you uh, um, just a heads up on something that we're doing as a church family. I would encourage you to prayerfully consider uh, being a part of it if the Lord would move you in that direction. But we've uh, consistently been a part of caring for them. We send teams over there, and we haven't been able to send a team for uh, over a year now uh, because of just kind of the, the state of travel in the world. But one of the big needs that they have is for a vehicle. Um, so they ride their little scooters, uh, which is pretty common over there, but a lot of the uh, mission work that they need to be doing is up uh, in the mountains, and those scooters don't actually get them there. They've got to borrow uh, vehicles and uh, use the benevolence of others. Um, uh, he does a lot of traveling from Chiang Rai to Chiang Mai. Uh, that's three hours, uh, really three and a half uh, if, you're, if you're on a bus. And the bus that he had in his video, that's a commercial. That's not the bus. I've been on the bus that he rides, and it is not that bus, trust me. Um, but one of the things that I want to let you know is as a church council and as uh, pastors in the community, this is something that has been kind of on our radar for several months. We've been praying about and uh, and pursuing. And uh, the United Church in Crook, Pastor Dale's church, is going to do, uh, he's going to do this with us. And one of the things that the church in Crook has committed is to match dollar for dollar up to 10 grand to cover a vehicle for Aaron and Alita. They've already committed towards that. There's uh, a few other people that are a part of the conversation as well. So over the next three months, if the Lord is kind of moving you to be a part of that, if you give a gift towards Aaron and Alina's uh, vehicle need, it's going to be matched dollar for dollar from our church in United. We're going to get this done. We're going to shoulder this boulder together because it's, it's too big of a thing for us to just kind of lift uh, on our own. Um, but God has continued to use us um, in generous ways. Um, and over the last several months, uh, any need that has been brought to our church family has been met over and above uh, what that need is. And so we just, we're trusting that the Lord is going to continue to move in this way as well. It's going to be another example to our community of how uh, churches get together and focus on the capital M, not the little M of just what they 
are doing. Um, so I wanted to make sure that you were aware of that. And we're going to close this morning and we're going to move away from ca- uh, missions. We're going to move away from big uh, world pictures. And we're just going to consider what is God doing in and through you this week. So church family, if you would stand, worship team, if you would come back forward. You know, last week when uh, Clinton and Patiana were here and they were sharing about what they do in Thailand uh, and the discipleship process that, that they uh, are a part of, they, they gave us kind of three ideas. This idea of how do I come behind people who need support? How do I come beside people who need somebody to journey with them? And how do I go before people who need me to show them the way? And I loved kind of that idea because you and I, you can, you can take that right now, you can take that concept today and you can go out tomorrow and you can put that into practice. You can say, as you wake up tomorrow morning, Lord, give me eyes to see who I need to come behind and support today. And, and show me how to do that. And that could be something super practical. It could be super, it could be demonstratively spiritual. It could be any varying way that the Lord might use you, but an openness to say, God, if you would show me, you'll see it. And if you have the courage to say yes, he'll lead you into that step. Or maybe you'd have an opportunity to come alongside somebody and say, you know, I'll journey with you through this difficulty or I'll journey with you towards this goal or I'll be a part of what God's doing at this moment. Or maybe there's people who need you to go before them to show them the way. Maybe in your family or in your workplace or in your spheres of influence, there's somebody who's lost, but they're looking, they're seeking. They're not just lost with their eyes closed and their ears plugged and just going about life. They're actually looking and they're seeking and they're trying to find and the Lord would use you to be the light that leads them to him. For just a moment, I wanna invite you to close your eyes and just consider this question. How can you be on capital M mission this week? How can you be mission-minded this week? What role can you play to help someone grow in their journey with Jesus? Maybe they don't know Jesus and the role that you're gonna play is to move them forward in that discovery. Maybe they know the Lord, but they're stuck. Maybe they're stuck in uh, an addiction. Maybe they're stuck in a difficulty or a life circumstance. And the Lord's gonna use you, not to somehow rescue them, but to, to bring them to the one who rescues. Maybe there's somebody who's looking to grow in their spiritual disciplines and you're gonna be a part of showing them that way. Maybe this week, the Lord's gonna challenge you to pray with somebody in public. Oh man, that would be scary. Some of you out there, you can't stop praying in public, right? You, that you eat that for breakfast. And some of us, that would be the biggest step of faith ever. Maybe the Lord's gonna challenge you in that place. Maybe you're gonna be invited to share your hope at work or to invite somebody to church. Or maybe you're gonna find somebody who goes to another church who's discouraged and you're not gonna invite them to our church, but you're gonna encourage them in what God is doing in that place, knowing that that role and that responsibility is needed, that that church expression is needed for the mission to be accomplished. How can you be mission-minded this week? Lord, would you give us soft hearts, courageous hearts? Give us clear sight to see the invitation that your spirit would give us to partner with you daily. Lord, for places where my friends may feel guilty or far from you, Lord, would you bring them to a place of repentance? Lord, your, uh, your repentance is something that comes as a result of your kindness when we recognize that you're not pushing us away, that you're a loving father 
bringing us to you. Lord, maybe, maybe there's a need for that to take place before that next step. Lord, would you do that? Would you awaken a confidence in us that we are loved by you and therefore we can be used by you? Lord, help us to be on mission this week, not just to consider missions, not just to support the missions of others, not just to be applauding of efforts that are done by others, but Lord, that we would shoulder our load, that we would put on our day pack and that we would be your answer for the moment that we find ourselves in. Give us that type of courage and willingness to say yes to you this week in Jesus' name, amen. All right, a few questions to consider for your action steps this week. They're gonna be up here. So consider these questions. Number one, think about this first. Where is God gonna take you? And wherever that is, be there on mission. Be there on purpose, with purpose. Number two, ask, how can I make a difference? Find something to do with Jesus in that place. Whatever he's doing, partner with him. And then number three, how can I partner with others or who can I partner with, invite others to be a part of what God is doing in that place.